Have you ever wanted to discover what's missing in your life? Metaphysics is available to all and is part of your life even if you don't know it. Welcome to Metaphysics, a view through the veil with Barb Crowley. Together we'll explore the mysteries behind metaphysics and how to use it to have a deeper understanding and advantage in life. And now here's your host, Barb Crowley. Hi, this is Barb Crowley, and welcome to Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil. Today we are talking about Earth is a School, the latest book by William Wildblood, where he presents the case for the material world as a spiritual school, specifically tailored to develop consciousness and bring the human soul closer to recognition of its divine source. He has particular reference to the present time as one of, a, of decision and a kind of end of term examination. William Wildblood, I apologize, was born in London. After a period working as an antiques dealer, he left the UK. He went to South India where he ran a guest house for a few years and later ran a guest house in France. He returned to England at the end of the 20th century. He has since worked for BBC Magazine in various capacities, including seven years as an antiques columnist. He has written five books on spiritual subjects, including Meeting the Masters, Remembering, Remember the Creator, and Earth is a School. Welcome to the show, William. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you, Bob, and thank you for having me on your show. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So tell me, um, how, did, how did you become spiritual? I guess that's a basic question. How did you go from materialism to spiritual? <laughs> I've got to say, I'm not sure I ever was materialistic, but I was, I was very ignorant. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Because ever since I was a young boy, I seem to remember that I felt I didn't, I didn't come from this world um, and I didn't know where I did come from, but I sometimes I would look up at the sky and think I must have come from up there somewhere. So it was a completely vague feeling, but, but I had the feeling I'd been here before, which I think many people have. I think, I think Especially that, kids. Kids yeah, do seem I think to so. remember. Well, there's that famous poem by William Wordsworth that people come trailing clouds of glory is his line which means that we have a kind of memory of the spiritual place we've come from, because I mm -hmm. think we all have come from a spiritual place before we come here. Right. I don't think, I don't think we're newly hatched when we were here. I think we have a, we have a past, um, a deep past in many cases. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but, but when I grew up, I, I didn't have any spiritual ideas. I, I just had normal church of England upbringing, um, but we only really went to church at Christmas and Easter, that kind of thing, like a lot of people in my generation. And when I was in my late teens, early 20s, I got, I got quite frustrated with the world as it was and, and the life I was expected to lead. You know, uh, get a job, get married, have children, Damn. die. <laughs> and I, <laughs> really? And I thought, <laughs> right, there must be more to it than this because I'd, I'd read books of mythology, which I think had often seemed more real to me than mm -hmm. certainly the, the world described by materialistic science. There seemed and to be something in the world of imagination, which was, which was real. It wasn't just fancy stuff. Yeah, and that seems to be the age that we reach out for more. You know, late yes. teenage, early 20s, and it's like, wow, I feel yeah. so much 
more expansive than, as you say, get a job, get married, have kids die. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, not not that there's anything wrong with that. That's you know that's part of life too. Right. But, it, you, but you feel, is it the only? Is it all? Is it the only part of life? Mm -hmm. you know, it's all a very important part of life, I think. But but not necessarily the whole thing. Yeah. So so I began I began exploring different aspects of spirituality. I remember at that time the uh, the Harry Krishna people were around London quite a lot, and there were. And I was always very interested in India because my grandfather had been in India during the war mm -hmm. uh, and he, Second World War. And he used to tell me stories about India, you know, tigers, elephants, Maharajas, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and he would take me to an Indian restaurant. There weren't so many as there are nowadays in, in England, but uh, mm -hmm. so all that stuff appealed to something in my imagination. And so I was interested in that kind of stuff, but it, it didn't seem very, um, very real to me. Because yeah. it, seemed, it seemed quite over-glamorized, especially the Hare Krishnas who were, you know, they were fun. They had some nice songs. But... I remember them. I remember them yeah. in the airports and all. They, yeah. they, um, they had the bells and the... Yeah, there was the something a bit sort of artificial about it too, yeah. when you see all these Westerners going around in robes. Mm -hmm. It just it seemed a bit ridiculous. Yeah, what do you know that I don't know? <laughs> yeah. But anyhow, um, so I began, there was a metaphysical bookshop near where I worked. Mm -hmm. And I, I used to go in there and, and look at the books. And there were books on, you know, the Zen Buddhism, occultism, Rosicrucianism. Far too much, really, for a, a young person sort of yeah. bombarded by all these different sorts of things. And you think, you know, too much choice, you know, a bit like TV. What do I watch tonight? There's just mm -hmm. too much on. <laughs> um, so, but I, I bought one or two books and then, um, and then I was in a bookshop um, in London one, one time, one of these metaphysical bookshops. And uh, somebody began talking to me and he said, you don't seem to know what to choose, can I make a few recommendations? And so we, we, he got friendly and we just began talking and uh, then we carried on our conversation, went and had lunch somewhere. And I got to know him better with, with, as, as time went by because we met up on a few more occasions. Mm -hmm. And that really was the start of me finding the spiritual path. Because was that Michael? It was, yes. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You want to it tell was. us a little bit more about him? You talk about him in, in your book. Well, he was, he was a very interesting person. He was born, I think, in 1919, and he'd led a very interesting life. I mean, he'd been, he'd been in, he'd also been in India in the war, but he was the aide de camp, which is some kind of military grade, I think, to the <laughs> Viceroy of India. So he was... Oh, wow. He'd met, he'd met Mahatma Gandhi for a start, uh, for one thing, and he'd, he'd moved in all those circles. <clears throat> but then he got very fed up with that, or the world alive. <clears throat> and he, he became interested in spiritual things too. But then after the war, he was a bit of a loose end. He went to New York. He was manager of some country club, I think, in New York somewhere. And then from, going, from doing that, he went to the other extreme, and he became a Benedictine monk. <laughs> So if you can imagine being in 
high society in New York and then becoming a monk. You know, it's a sort of that one, is an odd choice. <laughs> one the other. So he'd done that. He then he then realized after a while that he didn't really have a vocation to be a monk, a Benedictine monk. Uh, and he got interested in Indian religion. And he did, he went to India for a few more years. He was involved with a group of, called the Ramakrishna Order. I don't know if you've heard of them. But I, I have, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, they're good people. They're very good people, I think. Mm -hmm. So he was always, he was always searching. And, and when he yeah. met me, he'd actually just come back from India, from, from Bombay, where he'd been running a, a guest house for the, as we were just talking about, the Hare Krishna people. Oh, so um, that's how you got into the, running the guest house in India. I, I suppose it is actually, yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd never actually thought of that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it could be. Good thing I'm here. <laughs> yeah, thanks very much. I must you can be my manager. <laughs> but he, um, well, he was employed, he, he, did, he was employed by them. And he was mm -hmm. a pain to say, I, you know, I was never a member because they were, they were quite strange, but anyhow. Yeah. So we um, we found we had mutual interests because I began learning about spiritual things through him, and I thought this is this is making sense to me. This is more or less what I'd been looking for, some kind of meaning to mm -hmm. what's going on in life, uh, yeah. which, which my normal materialistic upbringing hadn't provided. So. So we went to live in a city called Bath in the west of England, which is a, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's a I've lovely old yeah. 18th century city. It's a really nice, nice town. It goes back to Roman times, actually. They even have mm -hmm. Roman baths there because there are mineral waters, which oh, people okay. used to, yeah. to take, as they, as they say. The, the water tastes disgusting, but, you know, you think it's doing you good. So it's got all sorts of water. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It comes out of the ground or it's warm and... and it, it seems anyhow, it's a beautiful city built by the 18th century Georgians. Yeah. And so we lived there for a while and we used to meditate together every night. We used to meditate a bit in the morning and more in, in the evening. Mm -hmm. And uh, during the course of one of those meditations, um, certain things happened which sort of set the course of my life over the next several years which I can talk about a bit, if you like. Well, we only have uh, about 50 minutes, so I'm gonna ask it, because uh, I wanna find out why is the world perfect? <laughs> you know, a few of those things, yeah. So, but, but in the meditation, you know, I'm going to your book, in your meditation, you um, kind of got blown open and met the masters, didn't you? Well, that's right. Yeah, we'd been we'd been living this life. Uh, just we worked in an antique shop during the day. Uh, in the evening, we would meditate. Mm -hmm. And uh, this has been going on maybe four to six weeks, something like that. When one night uh, Michael went into a deep trance, and I hadn't really come across such things before. And he he began sounding this Indian sacred syllable, the Om. Um, mm -hmm. well, I say he began sounding, it, it came out of him because yeah. it didn't sound like him at all. It was very profound, very deep. And it went on for a long, long time. And it really did seem something that, it really did seem as though it was something not humanly possible. And when it stopped, it had the effect of 
purifying the atmosphere. You could you could feel a kind of tension in the air, a presence is a better way of putting it. Yeah. And, and a deep, deep silence. You know, and I was a, a typical product of the you know 60s and 70s, you know. You know. Mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't I wasn't somebody who wanted to be taken by surprise of anything, you know, and I was suspicious too. I thought to myself, yeah. is this real? What's going on? First of all, first of all, is he is he acting something out to impress me? Mm -hmm. I knew him well enough that by then to think that that was extremely unlikely because I'd known him then for several months. Then I thought, okay, what is happening? And then, um, then a voice spoke through him and the voice very obviously wasn't him because it wasn't his timbre of voice it, it mm -hmm. just wasn't him at all I've heard I've heard various channelings and sometimes it sounds like the person who is the the, the medium it sounds right. like their voice sometimes it can sound almost mechanical but this mm -hmm. was this was a very authoritative very powerful voice which had a different kind of quality entirely to, to Michael's voice and it spoke to me and you know this was 40 years ago, so I can't really remember too much about it now. Although I did, luckily, given I wrote a book about it after that, I did, I did take notes afterwards mm -hmm. about what had been said to me. Uh, not at the time when it was going on, because I thought, you know, that would be a bit disrespectful if I was just sitting there jotting down notes while they were talking to me. It would look, it would just be wrong. And I didn't have a tape recorder or anything in those days. Or right. Would you have even yeah. thought of it at that point? You know, weren't you kind of surprised? <laughs> I think I wrote in the book that I was, I was surprised on one level, but I'd, I'd almost been expecting it on another. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know why. Maybe there'd been something. You see, my belief is that we can be communicated with on higher levels of, of our being and these thoughts or impressions will filter down into our everyday physical brain. Mm -hmm. And so I think that I had probably, that this was never told me, but this is my impression. I had, I'd been prepared for this, that I sort of knew it was coming, even though I didn't know it was coming. So when it happened, I thought, this is incredible. At the same time, I thought, yeah, this is what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. There was this contradiction. So, you know, it's, it was an astonishing thing for me to happen. Just in, normal person but um how did you know who this was okay well I, I didn't know who it was and I still don't know who it was but I I do know what it was um because well first of all when I asked them to tell me who they were they said that it wouldn't be a good idea to talk give names at this stage because then I might get to attach to the names, but they said, the best thing for you to do is think of us as messengers from God. Mm. And that's what I do still think of them as. And then they talked about themselves, because they, were, they there, were, there were several of them uh, okay. as masters. And masters is a, is a common term now in spiritual philosophy for realized beings, beings who have gone beyond the need to incarnate in this world. Uh, Spiritual but, souls. But used are, to used to be here. Used to be. Yeah, I mean, I think so. That's my impression that they were they weren't kind of angels or whatever. They they were ex-humans. <laughs> so 
So, you know, they belong to the company of saints and sages, which has got various names in various traditions, whether you call it the Great White Brotherhood or, or the Communion of Saints, it's all the same mm -hmm. thing, I think. So they are, they're our elder brothers. Or I should say, though I call them elder brothers, they're, they're not all male either, because um, there was one occasion when a, a female master so it sounds quite a funny thing to say female master but there we go um yeah. spoke spoke to me mm -hmm. and funnily enough when i was writing the book originally i'd forgotten about this and and i'd said at one point in the, my first book my first book was called meeting the masters i think we're mostly talking about earth is a school here but uh, yeah i said that they were they were all male but then when i was going through my notes in the course of writing the book I came across this and it came back to me with absolute clarity that there was one time, a very memorable occasion, even though I'd mm -hmm. forgotten it, when this female spirit spoke. And it was interesting to me because the quality of this spirit was quite different to the, the, male, quality, the male masters, which I like, because it shows to me that this male-female distinction we have in this world it exists even in the heavenly worlds. That's what I was wondering about, yeah, actual yeah. genders. Yeah, I think, I think <clears throat> gender is a real thing, which goes right down, right down to the basics. I mean, in, in one sense, we can equate it with spirit and matter, the, the, the sort of fundamental things of, of reality, that reality is based on two things, otherwise we couldn't be conscious of it. There has to be this duality between, you know, call it subject, object, call it God, creation, spirit, matter, light, dark, all these, always there's got to be this, this two-ness, hasn't there? And I think this is expressed in human beings and other beings too, actually, I think. Well, as, that's what I wanted to, that's what I'm curious about, because I believe, you know, or I think Earth is duality. But what about other realms? Other um, well, first, do you believe that there are other realms besides Earth? Oh, you know, absolutely. And heaven, or and God, and you know, are there other realms out there? I do. I think I think there are many other realms, mm -hmm. many, many. And then, is there duality on all of them, or some of them, or just here? I think I think there is some kind of duality on on most of them, because if you had complete unity. Mm -hmm. What would you have? You'd ha almost have nothing, would you? You'd just have light joy, consciousness <laughs> with nothing. So, in a yeah. way, complete unity is like complete nothing, because you have to be conscious of something. And I also think that the reason that the universe was created and came about is so that relationship can can be known, which is another way of saying love. Mm -hmm. because complete unity is there's no relationship there's just oneness and it's it's much more joyous to have the relationship to have something else which which you can love which loves you which you can which is not you it gives right, you so much you have more to have an other you have to have an other to feel you or to know you Yes. So yeah. although I'm, I'm sure there are levels of being which are pure oneness, mm -hmm. I think those are limited in a certain respect, because 
they they are they're kind of, they're a kind of perfection, but perfection without growth. And if you think about it, growth, the possibility to become more, is is what makes life worthwhile in a sense. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's just a, a kind of static perfection. Pure oneness would be a static perfection. Yeah. And I think this is why God broke that oneness. Probably, I mean, definitely in the beginning, if you take the spit, the pure unmanifested spiritual state god in his in his unexpressed state mm-hmm. that would be oneness that would be a, a perfect oneness but i think it's more fun it's more fun you know, i was going to say out of, out of boredom <laughs> yeah, <laughs> out exactly. of boredom he, he says oh no we have to have two <laughs> yeah we have to have somebody to then, play with yeah and then see see how see what happens and and all the, the glorious manifestations of life are much more interesting than just, just this blanket oneness, which is probably very, probably, well, not probably, definitely blissful. Mm-hmm. Absolute peace, absolute bliss. But, but bliss you know, can like, get boring. It would be like sunbathing all day. <laughs> Now, it's a bit crude to speak like that because people yeah. say, oh, no, it's a spiritual thing. It's, it's, you know, you're beyond time. It's perfection. It's nirvana. Uh-huh. Yes, it's all those things, but there is more than that. Yeah. There is, you, you don't just have one thing. Like people say, the absolute is higher than the relative. Okay, maybe it is higher than the relative, but it doesn't make the relative nothing. It, it's, mm-hmm. um, it's better to have the two of them so you can have this, this potential for growth and expansion and development and surprise. I'm sure God likes to be surprised. So um, basically, although you say the world is perfect, you mean in the fact that that there's pain and pain is growth. Yeah, I I just mean in that chapter, which is called The World is Perfect, that's what it's called. It's perfect for what it's meant to do. As a school. Yeah, it's it's not meant... It's not meant to be everything's beautiful, everything's happy, no suffering, no pain. It's meant to provide uh, an environment in which spiritual growth is possible. And spiritual growth needs challenge and it needs difficulty and it needs, it needs suffering because if we're, to, if we're to open up spiritually, sometimes our, our worldly self has to be jolted out of its <laughs> its present state. Otherwise, we might just rest happy with where we are and, and not again, not it's all about growth. Mm-hmm. And not grow, not grow into the higher states of consciousness. You know, oh, it's yeah. like it's like a they say if children have very rich parents, mm-hmm. it's not good for them because you know you get they get everything you want. You know, here's a here's a new car. <laughs> here's yeah. There's Here's no a holiday challenge. in Barbados, you know, you, right. everything you want. You don't have to try for anything. You, you're just given everything. And, mm-hmm. and that's not going to help the person grow. That's what I hear. <laughs> yeah, that's what I hear. But I understand what you mean, because without challenge, you also don't get to know yourself. So along with growing, you, you don't know who you are, or what you can do or what you can step up to. You don't get to know yourself. And that's a big part of it too, I would think. That is that is a big part of it because 
challenge makes you aware of things within you which you didn't know you had. And, and it's, it's like, you know, if you want to develop a muscle, you, you lift some weights, but that in a way is, is pain and suffering. And that's putting some difficulty in your way, which, mm -hmm. which causes you to struggle against it. And that, and that brings out qualities within you, which previously only existed in potential. So that well, on the other hand, I also think that I do believe in this Christian doctrine of the fall. So I think, I think the, the material world has been somewhat poisoned by, by evil. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about evil in today's yeah. world. But isn't that also duality? I mean, you can't recognize good without evil. It is, but, but you've, got, you've got different sorts of duality, don't you have... I mean, you've got the male-female duality. There's no good and evil in that. They're, they're both good. You've got, you've got hot and cold. That's just different. But good and evil are a little bit different to those kind of dualities, aren't they? That's, it's, not like, it's not like light and shade. It's not like um, big and small. It is evil is, is evil. There's, mm -hmm. that's, so there is this great mystery which has caused a lot of people to lose their spiritual faith i think they they say well you know why is there evil in this world and why How could do, god have created such yeah evil why, do, or why does this child in africa get a disease yeah. that makes it go blind or, or whatever right, and so on and right. so forth and so i think this is all to do with free will which is to do which is why we are created so that we can we can grow into gods ourselves. And, and for that to happen, we have to have free will. Otherwise, we'd just be, we'd just be little robots running around. And, and, mm -hmm. that's... and you know what? I'm going to take a break at this moment, <laughs> which is a pretty hot moment. Um, and we're going to come back and talk more about duality and also our free will with that. So we'll be right, right yeah. back. One thing's for certain. Life is uncertain. Do you navigate the unknowns? Visit aviewthroughtheveil.com to sign up for psychic readings and classes with Barb Crowley. You can schedule one-to-one -one sessions with Barb for personal and relationship counseling, pet communication, mediumship, career and business direction, or sign up for one of her classes. Everyone has answers through the metaphysical plane, but they need help to access them. Get the help you need today. Visit aviewthroughtheveil.com. You are listening to Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil with Barb Crowley. To reach the live show, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to aviewthroughtheveil at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Okay, and we're back. This is Barb Crowley and Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil. And we're back with William Wildblood and earth is a school and we've been talking about duality and reincarnation and choice and we're coming back to that so um you just started into that william so if you could get back into the the uh free will of um good and evil basically is what we left at a free will of duality am i jumping that am i mixing that up no, I don't think so. No, okay. I, I mean, well, free will 
to me is is linked to the fact that we are real individuals because mm -hmm. I think that's what the spirituality means that you are an individual. Now I, there are certain forms of spirituality like like Buddhism or Advaita Vedanta in in the Hindu tradition which deny the reality of the self. Um, but I think that is wrong. I think that the individual self does exist. I think we have a, a self created by the creator. Mm -hmm. And this is a reflection of the creator. That is when, when the Bible says we're made in his image, what it means is that we have an I am within us, the, the, the reality of I am. Yeah. This Again, is what I, I call you, you know, some people say you're a drop in the ocean. I believe you're a drop and the ocean. <laughs> Both. Yes, yes. You're not, you're not, a, you certainly aren't a drop that just gets merged into the ocean. And right. there's no, the drop has no qualities of its own left. That's mm -hmm. because what would be the point of that? Why would, why would God create something? just to return it to the back to the state it already was. Because if we all come out of the ocean and then we're a drop, and then we go back into the ocean yeah. uh, and, the, and the drop becomes part of the shining sea again, mm -hmm. what, what a waste of time. I mean, right. surely, surely the, the whole process of evolution, of life, incarnation has a purpose behind it. If, if you believe in, in a creator, mm -hmm. if you don't believe in a creator, then well, just look at you. nature. Just look bad at nature. It all has purpose. Yeah. It does have purpose. Right. And so the purpose is not to destroy individuality, but to grow that individuality so that it becomes consciously part of the whole. And then it's, you see, our, the sin, if you like, if you want to use that word, and I quite like to use that word because I think it is. <laughs> The sin is, is separativeness in thinking myself is separate from the rest of life. And, and that's mm -hmm. perhaps the original satanic sin in a way, the, the uh, separation of, of one part of life so that it, it, it no longer has any relationship to the rest of life. I feel as if we're seeing that in the world now a lot. And it might be just my opinion or my idea, but I feel as if a lot of people don't seem to be connected in to community, to nature, to mm. other people, to the world. They seem. Well, that, to be... I think we have become we've become very individualistic. Um, mm -hmm. One of one of the things the masters who we were talking about one of the things they said was you should be individual but not individualistic. And, and they point to all the great teachers like Jesus, Buddha, the, the Buddha, um, Krishna. Mm -hmm. Now you look at these great teachers and one of the things you feel about them, and you can feel that even after hundreds, thousands of years, you can feel a strong individual quality about these. They're not all the same. Jesus, Buddha, Krishna, they're not the same at all, but they're all, they're all transmitting something from the same place in a way, in a, in a different way, in an individual way. So the, the more spiritual, a being is the more individual he or she is in a certain sense mm -hmm. this their individuality is enhanced but it's not enhanced at the expense of their oneness with the whole of life so so we when we when they say that the individuality must go it, it means the ego the, the separate self must go but but individuality is is always there because mm -hmm. 
that's what we, we were created as individuals and we are meant to enhance our individuality. That's, now, um, and you believe in reincarnation. I think yes. you said that in your book. Yes. Um, but with reincarnation, my belief is you get back to try, you get to come back and try everything. So um, you're a good, you come back and you're a good person. You come back and you're a horrible person. <laughs> you come back and, in other words, you can't be a good person without knowing what, uh, you know, knowing yourself as a horrible person. You know, if you're just always good, as you said, duality doesn't give you the, the um, reflection of what you could be, what choice you're making. You know, you just are automatically the, the doing the same with thing that over is it, and over. It can, the problem with that is, I don't entirely disagree, but I disagree a little bit. The problem with that <laughs> That's is- That's good. It's good. <laughs> is that it, kind of, it kind of excuses people who are horrible people. Right. You, you just say, um, uh, you know, well, he can't help it. That's his karma for this life. He's, you know, he's meant to be Hitler. Uh, yeah, right. But, no, I understand what you're saying. So yeah. I think I think you 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 come back in all sorts of different circumstances, mm -hmm. with all sorts of different challenges. You know, one one lifetime to take an extreme case, you might be an Egyptian pharaoh. Next lifetime, you might be a peasant in medieval France or something. Right. Just take extreme cases. So, because it's the spiritual lesson that is that is going on, not not the worldly. Uh, achievements necessarily. Um, but I don't think you're ever actually meant to be a bad person. Maybe you're meant to have bad experiences sometimes because as we were talking about earlier, you can learn from bad experiences mm -hmm. and you can, you can rise above them and, and defeat them. So, so I would agree on, on that score. I don't, I, don't think, I don't think Stalin was meant to be Stalin necessarily. Or he could have gone a different way. You mean, I, yeah, he could have he, made other he, choices. Wasn't he going to be a priest at one stage, I think? Was he? Yeah. <laughs> that, I, I that, that horse I, left I, the barn. <laughs> Hitler, yeah. Hitler could have been a painter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But now, when you, um, when you have uh, free will, is it as you're alive or is it before you come into this life? Because we tend to come in with a very definite personality. And we will see the world through that personality the whole time we're alive. And we're born into circumstances. So are we coming in and basically building the body and the circumstances of our life before we come in? And that's our free will. But once we get here, we have kind of set up the situation to be who we are and the, and the experiences um, that we're going to have, and then we're going to react to through our personality. Do we both. have? Do we have both. free will I think it's, here? I think it's both. I think I think we come here. Well, we, our soul exists in the spiritual world, mm -hmm. which is a a different kind of world to this. There is a kind of oneness there. There is a kind of awareness of, a, of divine being. So you're, you're not separate from divine being in the spiritual world as you are here. And mm -hmm. souls, souls start off, I like to think of it, they will start off almost as in a kind of spiritual nursery. And, and um, like a 
baby at its mother's breast, you know, with this sort of perfect contentment, perfect oneness, as oneness with the mother then, isn't the, the baby is sort of completely bonded with, with the mother. And that, I think, is a reflection of our spiritual state before we're born. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of our reincarnation experience, because after we've been through several, several lifetimes, many, I don't know how many, many, many perhaps, Right. We have we have much greater awareness, but when we're kind of newly hatched souls, then mm-hmm. we're like the baby at, at the mother's breast, and so we would have free will at that at that point, but it would be undeveloped. Uh, it wouldn't have had much chance to express itself, and therefore it wouldn't really know itself. So it you comes mean as in, a new soul here, yeah, yeah, um, without a whole lot of reincarnations yet. And then for a new soul, I think there'd be other more advanced souls who would be arranging the life circumstances of the soul. Mm -hmm. So they'll say, okay, you're going to be born at this time, this place, this environment, these parents, this kind of background, and this will benefit you in your spiritual journey. As the soul develops, as the soul has had more earthly experiences in this reincarnation scenario, then it could probably choose its environment itself. But it chooses them on the spiritual level for the lessons it's going to gain, spiritually speaking. Not, not so it can have a fantastic life in the world. Yeah. Although some may, because I think there are all sorts of circumstances going on. It, it's always a mistake to reduce it just to one particular, one particular line, that every soul does this. I, I don't think that is the case. Yeah. And I even think that souls perhaps come from different, different well, places originally in the spirit from the spiritual realm. But you know, taking it as a relatively simple scenario, then then the soul might choose its its environment, earthly environment, uh-huh. you know, including, I believe, the, the astrological uh, circumstances under which it's born. Mm-hmm. Um, and including their personality and how they'll, yes. they'll and then, yeah. But then, so they have that, and then it's, as you say, when, when a baby is born, and anybody who's had a child will see that, you know, there's a person there. There is a, it's not a blank slate at all, is it? It's, um, yeah, that blank slate isn't real. <laughs> no, that's just nonsense, yeah. yeah. There's a definite person already there. And, mm-hmm. but then that person expresses itself through the environment into which it's been born and the experiences which come to it. So there's a dual process, you know, nature and nurture. It's not either or, it's both and, mm-hmm. isn't it? But they both right. go together. And the, and the free will operates there as well because you, you react to the circumstances that you experience and you, know, you can react in any way you want to. And that's down to the type of soul you are. That's down to your individual Free will. Now, one thing I have to say is I don't find people getting better as they get older. <laughs> I find them getting worse. Um, and I don't find people to be um, enlightened as they get older. In fact, mostly they're more tainted. They're more um, just tainted in a way. Um, yeah you know in other words you get kids and they're pretty open 
Well, mm. by the time you're 60, 70, you're pretty judgmental. You've decided what you thought of the world. Yeah. And um, less charitable, I think. Um, there might be more, more understanding more, rather than more empathy, but more understanding. But I don't find any enlightened people by the end of the life. You know, um, I think you're probably right. Um, but I think that's to forget about what, what a hard world this is to be in. You know, it, it is. You're quite beaten down by life often enough, aren't you? you know, it's right. It, it's, so that's going, to affect, that's going to affect the character because you start off, when you start off, you are from the spiritual realm, whether you know mm -hmm. it or not, you are from that. And so you have this kind of, generally, openness and optimism. And quite often, life beats you up somewhat. Yeah, it beats <laughs> it out of you, really. <laughs> it does. I think that's probably worse now because we don't have any spiritual understanding. And therefore, we get a bit soured because as we get older, we think, you know, well, is that it? I, I was... I was 20 years old. I thought the world lay before me. I was going to have a fantastic time. And, yeah. and it's just been a struggle. And so you get a bit soured by all that. But Not only that, but you don't know what's going on until the end of your life and you look back. At 20, you yeah. believe you do. Yeah. But in reality, it's at the end of your life and you look back and you um, see where the, you know, see if the, where the dots connected. I was going to say if the dots connected, mm. but for most part, when you look back, you see the dots did connect, but it's only in looking back. That's that's part, perhaps part of our our lesson, really. But I do fear that a lot of people at the present time are not learning what they should be learning, and I think that could be one reason, from a spiritual point of view, that people live so long nowadays. I mean, my my grandparents died, I think one was 65, one was 70, and that wasn't, that wasn't particularly young in those days. But mm -hmm. if somebody dies at 65 now, it's quite young, isn't it? And you know, people go on to their 80, 85, 90, right. um, quite a lot. So you think so, it's taken us longer to learn, <laughs> that we I have see. to be around longer. Yeah, well, also, Maybe some people have to have their resistance ground out of them in a way, mm -hmm. because maybe you have to be brought to the point where you say, oh, God, help me. Right, broken to a certain <laughs> point. Yeah, yeah, which is not a great thing to, to say, but we're very spoiled in the modern world, aren't we? I mean, look mm -hmm. at you and me. We're sitting in comfortable chairs. We've got... We're I, talking I, on I, Zoom. You've probably got... <laughs> You've probably got the heating on. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep, with a couple inches of snow outside. <laughs> yeah. No, we are very, we are at the best point, I believe, and the safest point, no matter what's going on, in the history of humanity. We have never been yeah. safer or more comfortable in but the that, history that... of humanity. And at the same time, we seem to be more fractured. So what is going on in the world right now? And is it an unusual period? I believe it is. I, I think, I mean, I do believe it's what's called in the New Testament, the end times. 
And if it isn't the end times, it's a, it's a pretty good imitation of them because um, we are becoming very fractured and materialistic and- Lost in many ways, lost. Well, spiritually, we're completely lost. But mm -hmm. this, it's disguised from most of us because our material existence is so comfortable, relatively speaking. Right. I mean, you know, the, 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 probably the greatest king in medieval, well, not medieval, he was a bit later, but in European history was Louis XIV of France and who had this palace at Versailles. And, you know, there were no lavatories there. So yeah. even, even the king had to... Right. <laughs> Go out in the cold. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And so we, we have everything, even you know, relatively poor people in the West have all this stuff. And, but this is a, a problem in a way because it, it insulates us from reality because mm -hmm. we, we don't have to face reality. We can stave it off. And especially now because you know, we've got TV, now we can watch pretty much anything we want to, listen to any music we want to. Right. And we're only at the beginning. I don't know what's coming. But I do know we're only at the beginning of, you know, our worlds are going to explode in ways that we can't even see. But before we, you know, go sideways on that, which would be fascinating, but um, some people believe this is the end of, of, an, of a dimension or an era, more than the end of time. Socrates, I know, thought he was in the end of time. And many, many very well-educated and very um, thought-provoking people believe that, that their time period was the end. Um, and obviously we just keep going on. <laughs> but the, the age of Aquarius, which came in in the 60s, um, may have been bringing in a new dimension. A lot of uh, people do believe that we're going into a new dimension and the old dimension is ending. So maybe that is what's going on. And we are fractured because we have uh, so many people in the old vibration and then people being born in the new vibration. Their bodies are new vibration, but the world isn't quite there yet. Can that be possible? It's possible, but I, I, I feel that... Um... The thing about Aquarius is that Aquarius is not a spiritual sign. If, if you think about it, Pisces is actually much more spiritual than Aquarius in, yeah. terms, in terms of its quality. So it's a quite strange people thinking that the Aquarian age is the age of love and brotherhood and we're all one. There is a, there is a kind of um, brotherhood in the Aquarian thing, but it's a very intellectual level. It's not on a spiritual mm -hmm. level. And so I, I don't feel that the Aquarian age is necessarily quite as fantastic as it's been Made thought to be. In the past. <laughs> and in a way, the you know the optimism of the '60s is has turned a bit sour, hasn't it? Well, if not very oh, sour. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, that was in a way that was my era. I'm I'm 66, so mm -hmm. I'm a, mine a little... too, actually. And it was the best party in history. <laughs> yeah, but it, but it, yeah, it came to an end, and it, it yeah, it did. Unfortunately, and it, was a bit, it, did. it was a bit spoiled too, wasn't it? It was a bit. It was just a bit too hedonistic. That's the problem. Um, but it was. We got freedoms that we had never had before. Restrictions yeah. were removed that were never restrict. You know, women especially with birth control. 
you know, they were free to do what they wanted with their life, where before that, never. But you see, it's rather like when there's an explosion of a bomb, mm-hmm. there's a tremendous liberation of energy in, in the explosion at first. And then yeah. it all dissipates into nothing. It, it's just destruction. Yeah. And I think the 60s were a little bit like that. There's this huge explosion. And that, that's great sense of energy charging through everybody. You know, the music, the art. It, it was fantastic. It was fabulous. <laughs> there, there was, but it all, it all kind of went up in the air and then it all drifted away and came down again in a way. And, and that's, but we that didn't was... go back. We didn't go back to the world of the 50s. We, we didn't go back. We still came forward. And um, where it was an explosion at that time, we certainly, you know, went in like a rocket into this freedoms and, and abilities that we had never had before. But still 50 years later, um, we still have all those freedoms, but I think we're watching a, um, a pushback, a fear of, oh my God, let's call, crawl back to black and white kind of thing. So is it that we're coming into a new dimension that is unknown yet, that is um, an energy thing or a spiritual thing? We just don't know what it is yet. Well, what, what the 60s lost was, was discipline. And mm-hmm. we do need discipline because if we don't, we just splatter all over the place if we don't have it. And, we, and what happens is that we chase ego desires we don't, we look for spirituality, but not out of, not for spiritual reasons, for what we can get out of them, what we can get out of spirituality, really, like, a, like the reward that spirituality might give us, the higher consciousness or whatever it is, but not, not for a moral sense. And that's something what was missing in the 60s, I think, and probably what the earlier generations had because also don't forget that the 60s came out of a time of material prosperity, didn't they? I yeah. Mean, so <laughs> yeah, I mean, been, again... The... The war, they, they'd suffered in the Second World War. Mm-hmm. Then the 50s gradually became increasing material prosperity. But it's interesting you talk about new age because I think that's happening as well. It's, it's, it's not a simple thing that it's just one thing happening. There's things breaking down, there's things being born, there's things being born, and as they're born, as these new energies arise, they're often co-opted by dark forces, I think. Mm-hmm. So, materialism, really, or greed, or... Materialism or yeah. greed, exactly, yeah. yeah. So, the dark side, as you said. And, and ideals which can be corrupted because they, they, can be, they can be poisoned, and I think that's happened a lot. Now, maybe this is just a growing period and, and out of it will come some kind of resolution or, or maybe that uh, we aren't mature enough to deal with these new energies and they will destroy us. Yeah, I but, hope um, not. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. I think that the important thing now is for each individual to forge their own path. Mm-hmm. In, in the past, spirituality was mostly expressed through, through your church, your religion, right. through something yourself. Oh, I've because lost you for a minute there. Oh, you're back. It, well, in the past, your, your spiritual life 
was expressed through an, an outer body, an institution or a church or, mm -hmm. or a temple, whatever it might be. But now you have to find it within yourself. I think this is the challenge for the, for the modern age, the modern person is not to rely on outer authority anymore. Um, and, and very quickly, because we're coming to an end, very quickly, can, can individuals reach their own spiritual teachers? Because yes. we are on our own. We are on our own, but, but our, our spiritual teachers are there on, on, the, on the spiritual level. Though. So they're not, what happened to me is unusual and not actually meant, I don't think, for most people. And it hasn't, I haven't had it for 20 odd years, more than 23 years now, I think. The mm -hmm. masters who spoke to me stopped doing so in 1999. Why? Uh, Why? Sorry? Why? Why did they stop? <laughs> well, for two reasons. One is the medium who, who through whom they spoke died. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, she became one of them. <laughs> but, well, I don't think he was quite on their level. But they, mm -hmm. they'd, been, they'd been reducing the amount of time they spoke to me a lot through the preceding years. Because we have to, we have to develop spiritually ourselves. We can't be spoon-fed by, by higher beings who will just come and right. tell us because then we would just be overawed by them and we would copy them but it, if we're to be masters ourselves then we have to discover this spiritual life within and us we have to grow into that so they do they yeah. do teach us but they teach us mostly through what they call impression that's what they said they said we will continue to speak to you but it will be through impression which means they will transmit spiritual ideas on a spiritual level, on the level of the soul, the higher self, whatever you want to call it, the intuition. And then I have to have sufficient awareness to be to receive that. And then I would translate it into my own mental form. So that that way it's it's not being spoon fed to me. It I have to earn it as it were. I have to stop there. What a terrible place to stop, but I have to stop there. And where can everybody get hold of you? I want to say, though, if you have time, I would like to continue this conversation and we can put it on my website, abutoughthevale.com. If you have time to do it, I'd love to continue for a little bit. Yeah, but um, where can everybody get hold of you and where can they get your book, Earth is a School? Well, the Earth is a School, which is published by John Hunt Publishing, is, well, I have to say it's available on Amazon because it is, but Barnes and Noble will have it. I think Amazon, yeah, as you all, said. All, all good bookshops is the saying. They go, mm -hmm. they go. <laughs> yes, yeah. Earth is a School by William Wildblood is me. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I have a little, I have a blog, which is called Meeting the Masters. Um, so I think if you put William Wildblood meeting the masters into a search engine, that should, that should pop up. And I, I try and write seven or eight little articles a month. On, no, on good that. for you. There's uh, discipline. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I really enjoyed it. I loved our conversation. Well, and uh, again, come to abutwiththeveil.com for some more information, some more conversation. Thanks for being here and have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil. 
please tune in for another edition with your host, Barb Crowley, next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy your upcoming weekend.